Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back in the battles of American Civil War, we are in the middle of December 1861. Six more battles to go before we reach 1862. Three of those battles will be here tonight on this episode. We got the Battle of Rowlett Station, Battle of Blackwater Creek, and the Battle of Drainsville, all taking place within I think three days, 17th through uh, the 20th. So, and then they take about six days off. Got to get the Christmas tree up, and you know, wrap the presents, and you know. Send, uh, did they have dog tags back in the day? Send the dog t- dog tags back to the family members and all that stuff. But we're approaching 1862, coming up hot. One more episode before then. In the meantime, we got the Battle of Rowlett Station starting off December 17th. A land battle in, uh, which was a railroad whistle stop of Rowlett's in Hart County, Kentucky. December 17th, 1861, Brigadier General Don Carlos Buell assumed command of the Army of Ohio in November 1861 in an attempt to consolidate Union control over the surrounding area, organized a spate of troop movements into the field. Part of these movements included the march of the 2nd Division under Brigadier General Alexander McDowell McCook. That's a lot of mix. Hmm. Into, isn't that offensive? All right. What is a mick? Holy yeah. yeah. Fucking mix. Right? Mick or Mac? You think mix and Max don't go on? What's a Mac? MacDowell. McDowell. Oh, right. M A C and M C, yeah. Uh, McCook into Kentucky with the goal of forcing the Confederates from the state. Yeah, they ain't giving them from Kentucky. Meanwhile, the Confederate Western Department under General Albert Sidney Johnston set up a defensive line against or along the Green River near Mum- Munfordville, Kentucky. Munfordville. Like, people are like Munford. Well, these people are in like the most obscure places too. All right. 10th of December, 1861, under directions from McCook, Brigadier General Richard W. Johnson ordered troops toward the Confederate lines near Munfordville 
to secure Louisville and Nashville Railroad. It was the bridge spanning the Green River. <laughs> In the meantime, rebel divisions under Brigadier General Thomas C. Hindman, which included a Confederate force of Texas Rangers, Arkansas Infantry, and Mississippi Artillery, responded by blowing up the south pier of the railroad bridge and about 100 feet of the track. Oh, they're like, you ain't getting over here. Mm-mm. Colonel August Willich of the 32nd Indiana Infantry sent two companies across the river to protect workers repairing the bridge and to help build a temporary pontoon bridge. Oh, look at them. Like, you want to blow it up? Well, we will rebuild. We have the resources. All right. When the pontoon bridge was completed on December 15th, Willich ordered two more companies south of the river to reinforce the troops already on duty and posted four companies on the river's north side. Civilian stonemasons arrived from Louisville, Kentucky on December 16th to repair the railroad bridge. The Union forces were mainly men from the 32nd Indiana Infantry, also known as Indiana's 1st German Regiment. What's up with the Germans? Dude? You got a lot of them. Which was composed mainly of German immigrants and descendants of German settlers from the Midwest. Germans did settle, like, they predominantly did. in the Midwest. And, like, that was because they left the East to get away from all the hatred. Maybe. They did. Colonel Willich had assumed command at the request of Indiana's governor, Oliver P. Norton. Or Morton. Yeah. Willich was a disciplinarian who used Prussian bugle calls huh. to direct his regiment on the parade ground and in battle. The Confederates were preliminary no. The Confederates <laughs> were primarily the 8th Texas Cavalry Regiment, which became known as Terry's Texas Rangers. Oh, shit. Formed by Colonel Benjamin Franklin Terry, you guessed it. General Johnston had requested Terry to join the army he was raising. <laughs> hey, man, I need your help raising these little badasses. Uh, these little badasses. Little baby's army. <laughs> the general... <laughs> he promised him an independent command. Okay. Oh. The eight Texas voted to join the general in Kentucky. Well, good for them. On the Union side, overall commander, Brigadier General Alexander McDowell McCook, uh... Commanded the infantry, apparently, and also had the 32nd Indiana Infantry. Although, no, no, the only infantry there was was the 32nd Indiana Infantry and Battery A of the 1st Ohio Light Artillery. On the Confederate side, led by Brigadier General Thomas Carmichael Hindman, or Hinman, their infantry was 1st Arkansas Infantry Battalion, 2nd Arkansas Infantry Regiment, 6th Arkansas Infantry Regiment. Um, some artillery, or artillery they had was Sweats company which was a light artillery mm. and there they had a cavalry as well nice. six arkansas cavalry battalion and the eighth texas cavalry regiment right look at that shit mm-hmm. you didn't really see yeah that's one thing i'm noticing too north didn't really deploy a lot of cavalry if they did they're like in the back waiting if anything were to go and a lot of times you've seen them when they did they were not even uh they weren't on horseback no which is weird right and the Yankees didn't know how to ride horses. <laughs> yeah. Around midday, yeah, I imagine there's not too many horse riding up there, huh? Right. No, I'm sure there were. Around midday, <laughs> 17th of December, 1861, while construction crews repaired the Stone Railroad Bridge, a Union picket continued south from the bridge, advancing into the woods. The Union forces discovered enemy skirmishers south of Woodsonville, Woodsonville. The latter retreated until the Texas Cavalry could join them. And then they attacked the Union companies that crossed the river to aid their comrades. A detachment of Union companies from the 32nd Indiana, fewer than 500 men, under Lieutenant Colonel Henry Von Treba, fought 1,300 Confederate troops. Wow. Ooh. 
including Terry's Texas Rangers, the Mississippi Artillery, and the Arkansas Infantry under Brigadier General Gene... Gene. Brigadier General Hinman. (laughs) Brigadier Brigadier Gene Hinman. (laughs) Um, The Outman 32nd Indiana companies fell into a defensive square formation. The Rangers responded by storming the Union lines. Battery A, 1st Ohio Light Artillery, and Battery A, Kentucky Light Artillery, provided support to the Union troops from positions on the north side of the river, while Sweat's company... Uh, Mississippi fired on the Union reserves and skirmishers along the road towards Munfordville. The Rangers continued their charge and hand-to-hand fighting with the Union infantrymen until the Confederates were finally repelled. Though. Oh, wow! So these guys—they uh, formed a square and was like, "You ain't getting through us." Wow! Look at the Texas Rangers getting their ass whooped. Right? They know because uh, they didn't have. Um, right. What's his name? Yeah, that guy. Chuck Rose- Norris. Yeah, Roosevelt. Roosevelt wasn't a Texas Ranger. He was a Rough Rider. During the battle, Colonel Terry of the Rangers was mortally wounded. On the Union side, Lieutenant Max Sachs of the 32nd Indiana and a platoon of his men found themselves isolated by the Rangers, Uh but repeatedly defied demands to surrender and continued to fight until Sachs and three of his men were either killed or mortally Mm. wounded. Went out with his men, huh? Seven more Union soldiers in the group were wounded as well. Colonel Willich who was away at division headquarters at the beginning of the battle, returned in time to order a withdrawal to a stronger position in the rear. He's like, oh, shit. I got to get these guys out. What the hell am I doing? Uh, not at the battle anyways. <laughs> right. Brigadier General Hinman, who was aware of the imminent approach of McCook's Union forces, reinforcements, Order the Confederates to withdraw from the field. Okay, so oh, he was like, "They're yeah. getting more people around here. We need to go." I think at this point in time, in this little skirmish, both these guys were like, "All right, hold on here. These guys are uh, circling back, and right. we need to check it out and let's re- regroup. Let's regroup, guys. We're not gonna win. All right. Well, both sides claim victory as they usually do, but the outcome was indecisive. Union forces remained in control of the field of engagement and continued to ensure the movement of Union men and supplies on the Louisville and Nashville well, Railroad. I have to say the Union won then. Right, right. <laughs> Casualties from both sides were scattered over a wide area, making recovery on the accountant of those lost, wounded, or missing a difficult task. Right, yeah, there's no way you're going back out looking. Probably mile, mile or two around, like right. you got to search. In the weeks following the battle, the 32nd Indiana gained nationwide recognition in the newspapers for its stand against Confederate forces at Rowlett Station. Okay. They did, too. Yeah. What, 500 to 1,300? Yeah. Repelled them. The battle was one of the few times during the Civil War when the Union infantry successfully defended itself in the open against repeated Confederate cavalry assaults. Cavalry assaults, yeah. Versus the infantry, right? I mean, so, you think about it. These well, these guys are moving on horseback, and these right. guys, the infantry, they don't know what the hell they're doing. I mean, the Texas Rangers, these guys are some bad mofos. Mm-hmm. Look at them. Look at these guys. They're learning. They're learning. Well, casualty reports varied and were initially overstated. General Buell reported Confederate casualties at 33 dead, including Colonel Terry, mm-hmm. and at least 50 wounded. Oh, Terry's uh, Texas Rangers. That was a leader of them. He's dead? Yeah. Wow. General Hinman acknowledged Terry's death, but claimed few losses of his men, as many as 75 Union dead. Oh, he's saying, I lost 75, but they didn't lose 33. Dang, look at the Union guys saying stuff. You should have been like, no, they lost 50. What are you talking about? General Hinman acknowledged Terry's death, but claimed few losses of his men and as many as 75 Union dead. General Hinman's on the Confederate side. He acknowledged, oh, right, 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 he acknowledged right, 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 Terry died, right, right, but right, said, right. I, we didn't lose no 33, but the right. Union lost 75. Right, and Colonel Willage initially reported casualties for the 32nd Indiana as one officer and 10 men killed. 
22 wounded, 5 missing. However, However, the regiment's final count was 46. 13 killed, 28 wounded, and 5 captured. Mm-hmm. 32nd Indiana Regiment's dead were originally buried near the battle site. 1867, the state of Kentucky transferred the remains of 21 Union soldiers, 14 of them from the 32nd Indiana, and a limestone tablet known as the 32nd Indiana Monument bearing an inscription in German in the infantry soldier's honor to Cave Hill National Cemetery at Louisville, Kentucky. That's sweet of them, isn't it? Right. Why would they take them to Kentucky when they're from Indiana? Oh, well, I mean, die where you fall, though. I mean, bury where you fell. Well, they didn't. They, they moved them. Well, I don't know why. You're going to have a national cemetery. <laughs> Any way to get money. You don't. Any way to get money. I guess. You probably got to pay to get into a national right. Like, you're not going to Arlington National Cemetery and without a cover charge. I guarantee that. Think so? I don't think you just walk into Arlington. It's a cemetery. Yeah, but it's where, like, presidents and shit are buried. You ain't going, ain't going there. It's where JFK's buried. You know they're charging for that. December 2008, the monument was removed from the National Cemetery for conservation treatment due to its deteriorated condition. Yeah. Hmm. It's limestone. It's going to deteriorate. Right. It was relocated indoors at the Fraser History Museum in Louisville in August 2010. Well, at least I kept the original. As a long-term loan from the National Cemetery Administration. A long-term loan. <laughs> a replacement monument to the 32nd Indiana was dedicated at Cave Hill National Cemetery on December 16, 2011. 8th Texas Cavalry Regiment changed its name to Terry's Texas Rangers. In honor of the fallen colonel. So it wasn't even named that when he was right. commanding it. Uh, the Battle of Rowlett Station was soon overshadowed by Union victories at Mill Springs, Kentucky, and Fort Henry at Fort Donaldson, Tennessee, which we will obviously get to. Oh, look at the Union coming in strong, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, this takes us to the skirmish at Blackwater Creek, also known as the skirmish at Milford. I like Blackwater Creek better. Right. Was an American Civil War? Yeah, of course it was. Uh, <laughs> this took place this, in This one was a, uh, a Tunisia <laughs> Civil War skirmish. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, Blackwater Creek was in central Missouri, 19th December, 1861, near present-day Valley City. Hmm. Following the siege of Lexington, the Missouri, sex, right. not Kentucky, we no, go no, back right, and look right, at right, that right, battle. Right. During the siege of uh, Lexington, Missouri, the secessionist Missouri State Guard withdrew to southwest uh, portion of Missouri. Yeah. Some southern recruiters, such as Colonel Franklin S. Robertson, remain, attempting to fill the regiments. Robertson, a store owner in Saline County, Missouri, born in Kentucky, had been granted his commission by Major General Sterling Price. Oh, good for him. Good for him. Meanwhile, Union Brigadier General John Pope, in command of the District of Central Missouri, was determined to suppress southern recruiting in the region. He headed southwest from Sedalia before turning the main body north towards Warrensburg. Robertson collected his recruits at Grand Pass, where they elected officers. December 16th. What's up with December 16th? All right. December 16, 1861, the 750 men began their march south. Uh-oh. Their plan was first to link up with Colonel J.J. Clarkson's recruits near, near Warrensburg before proceeding south to General Price. Mm. They were unable to merge with Clarkson, but they were joined by Colonel Ebenezer McGoffin, who was on patrol after being captured while attempting to recruit his own regiment. <laughs> oh, it was on parole, not patrol. Yeah. So he's on parole. So All basically... Right. The Confederates like, we see you again fighting. We're, you're dead, right. pretty much. McGoffin is notable as the brother of Kentucky Governor Beriah McGoffin. Oh. Mm. General Pope learned of the evening, uh, learned on the evening of December 18th that Robinson's force would be camped at Milford. He's Uh-oh. like, they're at Milford. We're going to take them. Uh-oh. Speaking of Popey, he's a command in a strength of about 2,000 men of the 1st Brigade who were actually engaged in battle. And about 2,000 of the 2nd Brigade who didn't engage. On the other side, we got the Missouri State Guard, Franklin S. Robertson, with about 750, give or take, 
Robertson's uh, Missouri State Guard recruit regiment. So mm. these are just recruits, dude. Uh, They're not even like guys, trained. Man, good. that's ridiculous. Yeah. What is going on here? These are like major skirmishes and shit that, that actually mean something, though. And they're messing it all up. <laughs> with, with unexperienced. Well, I mean, the whole, the whole 1861 right. has been unexperienced. Early the next morning, Pope's forces marched toward Nab Noster, Missouri. Pope ordered Colonel Jefferson C. Davis's brigade to the Blackwater Bridge, where he was to force the bridge. Hmm. Simultaneously, a battalion of the 2nd Missouri Cavalry, which is known as the Merrill's Horse, moved northeast to complete the envelopment. There you go. Realizing his guardsmen were in a precarious position, Robertson formed a firing line of approximately 250 men, while Colonel McGuffin was detailed with several dozen men. <laughs> McGoffin. Okay. To take possession of the bridge before the Federals arrived. The Federals. I don't like that. Right. <laughs> it was insufficient, though. Colonel Davis, uh, Colonel Davis ordered three companies of the 4th U.S. Cavalry forward under Lieutenant Charles Copley Armory, or Amory, with the 1st Iowa Cavalry in support. Amory dismounted his men and gave two volleys to the bridge's defenders, causing them to waver. Uh, Armor Amory ordered a charge, and the defenders fled. The now-mounted force pursued, encountering some casualties as they made contact with the second line. They held their positions as the infantry came up, and the envelopment was completed. Robertson's men recognized their predicament and requested a brief truce before surrendering. Oh, look at that. He's like, hey, let's just stop. I surrender. All right. Hey, come on. Federal casualties were exceedingly light. Two killed, eight wounded. General Pope claimed the capture of 1,300 men, three colonels, which was Robertson, Alexander, and McGoffin. Uh-oh. One lieutenant colonel, which is Robinson. Wow. One major, which is Harris. Wow. 51 commission company officers. Jeez. And about 500 horses and mules. 73 wagons heavily loaded with powder, lead, tents, uh, subs- subsistence stores. Subsidence. Right. And supplies were uh, of various kinds. Well, there's all kinds of stuff. There's everything in there. There's a whole general store on wheels. Oh, also uh, a thousand stand of arms. Good, good. However, However. this appears to be overstated. As (laughs) records indicate, 684 guardsmen and several civilians eventually reached. I mean, come on. Give or take, right? Eventually reached the prison that they were taken to. The engagement resulted in the capture of a full, newly recruited Missouri State Guard Regiment hampering future Confederate recruiting in the region. John Pope would have another major triumph at the Battle of Island Number 10, where he would capture about 4,500 Confederates while he claimed 7,000. Lincoln would appoint him commander of the Union Army of Virginia, in command of which he would suffer a crushing defeat at uh, Second Manassas. Franklin Robertson's military career did not recover, and he reentered service as a captain after exchange at Vicksburg in the summer of uh, 1862. Yeah, you can't uh, you can't lose, dude. No, especially the Confederates. They're gonna be like, yeah, you're done. Right. One of the 684 known prisoners marched to Sedalia, carried by rail to St. Louis, or several other notables: Ebenezer McGoffin, William Golf Cables, Bartholomew W. Known, Keown. Keown. We had him in uh, a couple battles ago. So yeah. All three would die before the close oh, of the war. Poor guys. Of In national custody? Maybe. I guess we'll see. Of national interest, a Missouri military tribunal convicted Ebenezer McGoffin of violating his parole, sentenced him to execution. Oh, yep. See, he violated his parole. Lincoln, sensitive to Kentucky politics, being a native of the state, intervened on this behalf, requesting a review before any final de- deposition. 
Disposition could be made. McGoffin and several dozen inmates tunneled out of Alton oh. Prison and escaped. Oh, geez. Well, he was killed near the end of the war while intervening in a bar fight. Oh, jeez. Didn't even die in the war. Wow. In southern Arkansas. Wow. The other two were of more interest to Missourians. William Goff Capels was a fiery secessionist minister and president of the Missouri Conference of the Methodist Episcopal Church. Okay. Methodist and Episcopal. Huh? Nice. Episcopal. Uh, South. After six weeks confinement, he gave his oath and eventually moderated his politics. Uh-huh. He even became a supervisor of the Telegraph Guard for a stretch near Glasgow. In an ironic twist, he was killed there by an artillery shell from Joe Shelby's bombardment on October 15, 1864. Dang. Mm-hmm. Ain't that crazy? Dang, with Bart W. Cohn, also referred to as Keon or McKeon, whatever, was a South Carolinian who had become sheriff of Benton County, Missouri. Oh, damn. It was alleged that in this capacity, he obtained detailed information about the Benton County Home Guard Regiment, which is Union, and related to secessionist militia in Warsaw, who launched a successful attack, which would be called the Battle of Coal Camp, 1861. He died of disease all in prison before he could be tried. This is to the last battle of the episode, Battle of Drainsville, which was a small battle that took place between Confederate forces, obviously, under Brigadier General J.E.B. Stewart, or Jeb. <laughs> they called him Jeb, you think? And yeah. Union forces under yeah. Brigadier General Edward O.C. Ord on December twentieth, 1861 in Fairfax County, Virginia, as part of... Uh, George McClellan's operations in Northern Virginia. Okay. Following the Battle of Ball's Bluff, which you can go look up, on October 21st, major offensive action was halted in the Eastern Theater as both armies went into winter quarters. They're like, we ain't fighting in this shit. rough. Small detachments were still occasionally sent out to probe the enemy's position and to obtain forage. Such was the case early on in the morning, December 20th, when General Stewart, with a mixed brigade of infantry comprising the regiments of 6th Southern Carolina, 1st Kentucky, 10th Alabama, 11th Virginia, 155th Cavalry Troops, and Allen C. Cutts, four-gun Georgia Battery. Jeez, that's not a small number. He's right. All right, all you guys that has mentioned, let's go. Get out of here. We're going north from, from here. We're going to go near Centerville to escort the Army's wagon trains on a foraging expedition into Loudoun County. Hmm, should be simple, right? Most of the times, you're just going to go there and back with no issues. Meanwhile... General Ord, leading the 10,000-strong 3rd Brigade of Pennsylvania Reserves, set out west. So he's still taking 10,000 men. Dang. To clear south bank of the Potomac of Confederate pickets and partisans in Fairfax and Loudoun. Wow. At Colvin Run Mill, Ord left half of his force to protect his rear and prevent his force from being cut off from their base at Langley. All right. So he still got 5,000. As mentioned, Union led by uh, General Ord, Brigadier General Ord, uh, got the 6th Infantry, Pennsylvania Reserves, 9th Infantry, Pennsylvania Reserves, 10th Infantry, Pennsylvania Reserves, 12th Infantry, Pennsylvania Reserves, Kane's 1st Pennsylvania Rifle Regiment, the 1st Pennsylvania Reserve Cavalry, the 1st Pennsylvania Reserve Artillery, Battery A, led by Captain Hezekiah Easton, and Battery F, led by Captain Ezra Matthews. Over on the Confederate side, Jeb Stewart, J.E.B. Stewart, uh, had his 11th Virginia Volunteers, the 6th South Carolina Volunteers, 10th Alabama Volunteers, 1st Kentucky Volunteers, 1st North Carolina Cavalry, which was a 100-man detachment, nice. um, 2nd Virginia Cavalry, and the Sumter Flying Artillery from Georgia. Mm, I don't know they're flying. <laughs> yeah, what are they? Yeah, right. 
<laughs> at about noon, Ord arrived at the intersection of Georgetown Pike and Leesburg Pike in the village of Drainsville, where he encountered Stewart's advanced cavalry pickets, oh, which were quickly driven off by the Union force. Ord then began to lead his command west down the Leesburg Pike. At around 1 p.m., Stewart, with the main body of his force, approached Drainsville from the south, whereupon he encountered the rear of the Union detachment. Ooh, so you got five G's right here. Uh-huh. Stewart got uh, you nothing, don't, you don't basically. You want to do nothing with these guys. Ord hauled his infantry. Wheeled it around to meet the Confederate oh, threat. He's like, the rest of you guys, turn around. Forming a line on the north side of the Leesburg Pike. He then deployed his artillery on an eminence near the intersection. Stewart deployed his infantry on the south side of the pike and his artillery 300 yards south of the federal position. Boat, right? While the Confederate infantry was deploying, the 1st Kentucky mistook the 6th South Carolina, oh, no, for Union troops and open fired, which was quickly returned by the Carolinians. <laughs> so, so they're fighting each other now. Oh, my gosh. The 11th Virginia advance, supported by the 10th Alabama, but were stopped by heavy fire. The colonel of the 10th Alabama, John Forney, was wounded, and the lieutenant colonel, James B. Martin, was killed. Hearing the sound of gunfire, the 9th Pennsylvania Reserve Regiment charged across the turnpike, but were quickly driven back. Oh, these guys were like, ah, oh, no, no, wait a minute, oh. turn back. The artillery began to duel. But owing to the strength of the Union position, the Confederate guns were quickly knocked out. Mm-hmm. Ord deployed his infantry in a skirmish line and sent it across the pike at Stewart, and oh, the two geez. sides squared off for nearly two hours. 3 p.m., with his wagon safely away and secure from capture, Stewart ordered a withdrawal. Yeah, I bet he said, he was. let's get the hell out of here, boys. Right, we did all on. we can do here. Stewart, you know, I thought you were smarter than that. No match for this shit. Ord pursued, a, Ord pursued for about a half a mile, ensuring his line of retreat was safe before breaking off the attack and returning to Langley. The following day, Stewart returned with reinforcements, but the battle was already over. Yeah, they're like, ain't nothing here no right. more. Though the battle was small, of no strategic importance, and resulted in only light casualties, it marked the first time in the East that a Union force had bested their Confederate enemy. In That's the true. They haven't done nothing in Virginia all, right. all year, dude. Inflicting 230 casualties while suffering only 71 and was able to drive them from the field. Uh-huh. Look at them. It was a major morale boost for them, I would imagine. I like, finally, right. to get something done. Right. Well. These little things were winning out in Kentucky and... Right. They don't mean shit. Meanwhile, besides battles... um, on kind of like the backstage of the uh, war on December 20th, 1861, viewing Lincoln as too much a pacifist, the radical Republicans of the United States Congress arranged the Joint Committee on the Conduct of the War. Uh-oh. The committee investigated the progress of the war against the Confederacy. Meetings were held in, held in secret. Reports were issued from time to time. It became, a, as we've seen already, it became a forum for Union generals who, finding themselves accused of failure, put the blame on others. The committee was dominated by radical Republicans whose aggressive views often clashed with the strategies favored by President Abraham Lincoln. These, so you got like a so you got like a political civil war right. in the in the civil right. war. And I think these guys were just like, let them go. Right? We don't need to fight these guys, basically. Let them go. I think that's what it's all about. No, I think the radical Republicans are like, you need to Put your foot on the gas and just start slaughtering people. And Lincoln's like, whoa, 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 we need to have some strategy here. Maybe. No, that's exactly what the hell's going on here. Could be. Abraham Lincoln's like, no, we need to get some reconnaissance and know what we're doing. Can just march in and start battling with people. And these radical Republicans are like, well, I'm (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's it for... uh, That's it for our three battles today. And it looks like the Union taking... These two of them. Well, they're uh, ending eighteen sixty one. I would say. I would, on say a good note. I would say all three of them. Yeah, they took them all. Uh, Rowlett Station was still. They they yeah. held their position, yeah. and yeah. so they took them all. 
Rowlett Station, Blackwater Creek, Drainsville, all union wins. However, However. our uh, next three battles, Battle of Chustanala, which is the uh, conclusion to the Trail of Blood on Ice uh, battle with the Indian Territory, Oklahoma, and the Confederates. And then we got the Battle of Mount Zion Church on December 28th. Also December 28th, Sacramento, Kentucky, which uh, two of those are Confederate wins and one Union before we ride off, take a couple days off for the Army, celebrate New Year, and they're right back at it pretty much every single day from here on out to the war ends. Yes, sir. That's going to do it for us. And other history, uh, true crime, if you guys are interested in that, we do another podcast called Outlaws and Gunslingers where – we take a look. We have already taken a look at the Wild West, um, Prohibition, Jonestown, Unabomber, the uh, other bomber guy from Oklahoma, Oklahoma City bombing, <laughs> 1992 LA riots, everything and anything in between then and there that has to do with true crime. Not Nothing about serial killers yet. Nope. If you guys are interested in that stuff, we do have a show. Uh, in in the works coming up about strictly serial killers, but this one's just kind of like true crime. Um, most famous event, art heists and bank robberies and uh, type of stuff like that. So go check that out. Outlaws and Gunslingers will be back next week for Chustanala, Mount Zion Church, and Sacramento, Kentucky. We are the Mouth of Michiganders with Bang Dang. <laughs>